some people. Yeah, to be the villain of this here story. <laughs> the villain. It has everything to do with this. It has everything to do with us. It has we everything. Are just, <laughs> we are just too odd. <laughs> we are just two odd, lonely children. Odd, lonely children. <laughs> Walking through eternity. Walking through eternity. What is Tom Hanks doing in that movie? Silly. That, oh my god. It's, it, I, and they play it so much. They play it for every movie. I, yeah. I can't, I can't take it That anymore. means it's going to be successful. No, it's not. Right? No. Because yes. they play yeah. Morbius in front of every movie. Yeah, but everybody knew Morbius was going to be morbid time. Mighty Morphin Morbid. Everybody knew that movie was going to be ass because it got moved like four times. So did and Elvis. Then... No, it didn't. Elvis only got one released. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I hope Morbius isn't Elvis. Anyways, welcome back to Stacked Episode 2. Um, episode 2. <laughs> Wow. Yep. No. Yeah. Uh, two plus eighty, I should say. A- episode 82. eighty-two. Yeah. Um, the official podcast of movies. Um, we've been officially licensed by the person who invented the term movie. Um, and yeah, it's it's gonna be freaking sweet. Um, I'm so happy that we are now officially for movies. Um, Chris, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just making sure something because like my levels seem like they're spiking even when you talk, but there's no sound coming out. Like, oh really? You can talk. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, hello. Okay. Spaghetti meatballs. Okay. Okay. Uh, Never mind. Sorry uh, about that. It's okay. Let me make a note. You're gonna cut to... that out. I, I make I'm I, I'm making show notes now. No, I'm actually I'm not gonna cut this out because now I'm gonna let everybody know that I do show notes. Uh to i didn't do it before so maybe if i if something slipped through the cracks uh my bad but now i make Literally. show notes so now i'm actually not gonna, now i'm actually not gonna write a show note because i'm gonna keep this in <laughs> look at that okay um what is this episode that we're doing today we're doing stephen king movies uh because why why you may ask dear listener brandon tell him why we we don't know firestarter came out or is coming why do you say two conflicting things? You say we don't know, but then you you do you tell them why we uh, we know. Uh, suspense, obviously. And you know who's good at suspense? Oh, Stephen you know King. Who's good at suspense? Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Brandon. Very good. Um, yeah, fire starters coming on theaters. I had no idea it was a Stephen King movie. Trailer looks awful. And uh, Zach Zach Efron's a dad. I didn't. Fuck. I, I don't know what's going on there, but uh. I thought to myself, Herm, Ethan, Herm, uh, Stephen, the Stephen King fellow. He's made a lot of he's made a lot of books. This dude's written a lot of books. You know, this dude's done a lot of cocaine in the eighties, and he used those coked out fingers to type up some some novellas, right? You know, some novels. Um, and apparently, they're all pretty good because they've made a shitload of movies out of this dude in his brain, in his mind. So, uh, we're we're gonna talk about movies that were adapted from Stephen King books. Um, it's fascinating that this dude is like he's like the only author who has like more than one I I don't I want to call it franchise but he's just like like multiple adaptations. You don't see that a lot from different authors. We are, I was talking about this with Brandon. Like you don't see a bunch of popular like 
popular authors who make like franchise book series uh branch out to other things and those things get adapted you know it's weird yeah it's like one series gets like picked by a studio and then they're like that's it that's all we need from you and then they never offer to make any of the other books movies it's kind of weird it is <laughs> but stephen king you know stephen king in line with shakespeare is like the most adapted uh writers yeah yeah that's true it's probably those two that's weird i i don't know but i i have has anyone here ever read a stephen king book i've never read one i don't know how to read I can't, it, so um, yeah. you can't read I can't read. What Why do you think I'm doing a podcast? I can't read. I'm not going to write my opinions. I'm going to speak them because I can't read. I can't read. can't smell. How do you think uh, I graduated college? I read... Video essay. Video essay. I can't That's read. We did video. <laughs> yeah, can't read. No essay. Video essay. Can't read. We can, yeah. We can edit. I read... read. I've read like it, like part of that book. Yeah. And That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's the book you read. <laughs> Get it? You said oh, that's it. Oh, I also read eleven twenty two sixty three. Oh, Oh, 1738. Classic. 1738. I'm going to write a book you. called that. Uh, Okay. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. Stephen King books. Uh, Chris, was this hard for you? Have you seen a lot of Stephen King movies? Surprisingly, I realized I've seen a fair amount. Um, I feel like, I think for me, when I made my stack, like I was trying to think like, what are the vital tenets of Stephen King's like stories? And for me, I realized that a lot of it is comes down to three things. Being coming of age, horror, and drama. Those yeah. are kind of the three like elements that kind of make up a Stephen King um, story for me. So, and obviously there's a lot of inter intersectionality between those three genres or what have you, but I wanted to pick my personal favorites of each of them to kind of, kind of just highlight the way he does his movies. And also, yeah, it will, it will also show the intersectionality between them. But yeah, that's, that's how I did it. Very nice. Brandon, what about you? How do you, family. do you categorize? Family. 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 That's how family. I determined it. <laughs> that's cool no uh i determined my stephen king movies by my favorites that's about it i just kind of like was like i mean there are different avenues that king travels down but that doesn't mean those are always good avenues so yeah very nice cool cool i i dig that very nice i kind of did a mix of the both where uh, I did my favorites, but then I also wanted to make sure that like it was sort of uh differentiated in terms of tone. Uh, I think I have a, I I have like I have two different kinds of horror from him. I feel actually no, I think his horror can be pretty similar sometimes. But I had to include two horrors, and then I got uh, a sort of a coming of age, uh, that I just adore. I mean, I. I don't know. So that probably is a spoiler. It was like, oh, good coming fish. I don't know what movie that is. Whatever. I'm going to save it till the end so I have to hold suspense over you fuckers. Pathetic. Or maybe I won't because maybe we'll double stack. Who knows? So let's get into our picks. 
once a week, instead of top of theme, go our separate ways and construct our own three film stack. Then after a week, come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks, one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we'll mix and match our nine films to make the ultimate decision. What coincidence of three film stack we are checking out with this hypothetical video store? His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, there's vomit on a sweater already, mom's spaghetti, he's nervous on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting when he wrote down, uh, the crowd opens his mouth and the words won't come out, his whole, never mind, okay, um, uh, Brandon, Eminem. <laughs> I love Macklemore, love that dude, <laughs> uh, Brandon, you're up first, what's your first Stephen King novel, you fucking king, you, you six foot eleven king, well, That's right. You, He's sir. almost seven feet tall. This motherfucker. <laughs> He's six eleven. I grew seven inches. Uh, I'm picking 2019's Doctor Sleep. Ah. And okay. if, oh, if, <laughs> answer butts about it. Ah. Uh, I prefer oh, this movie no, no, to wait, The Shining. Wait. Oh, okay. What? I prefer this movie to The Shining. Very unpopular opinion. Um, but honestly, I feel. While Kubrick kind of carried the suspense of what is that face, Chris? Nothing. You sure? Yeah, I'm just looking at you. Okay. Um, where like he he kind of develops the character of of Jack Torrance in a way that is like a very interesting examination of the mental psyche. You look at Doctor Sleep, and it's like it's more than that. It's an examination of the supernatural. It's showing Danny Torrance after years of. Oh, if <laughs> only we had. I, we need to add video to this fucking podcast. <laughs> what is he doing that for? I don't understand. Imagine the Dr. scariest <laughs> freaking smile you've ever seen in your life. That's like, oh my god. Chris, I've never seen you make this face before. It's kind <laughs> of unnerving. It. It's, it's unnerving. The big, it's the big ass eyes and the glowing teeth. All right, continue. Doctor Sleep. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's like it's an examination of uh, Danny Torrance and his estate after being attacked by his father in the Shining movie, and I love that. It's a direct continuation of that movie, but without like super nostalgia heavy sequences. I mean, there's one, but for the rest of the movie, I feel like it utilizes its like it doesn't really utilize its nostalgia and it's like trying to tell a new story. It feels like right in line with the original, and that's kind of weird. Uh, you love, I love the the child actress they got in this movie. She's great um, to examine like the, the the gift that he and uh, her share. Rebecca Ferguson is a terrifying villain uh, after playing like a pretty much a good guy in like her other work, like a good guy or antihero. But here she's like actually like a villain, and she's scary. Jacob Tremblay provides like one of the scariest and most terrifying performances I've ever seen from a child actor. And not only that, I just think this aesthetically, this movie is very cool. The way it delves into the mind and how that like how that kind of like is it in itself like an interest more interesting way to uh, devise a psychological thriller than a ghost movie like the original signing. But that's just me. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a, I got a bad, bad case, case of, of doctor sleep. <laughs> Lights, camera, axe. No, we can't mention him. I said we axe can't. him. Okay, good. We can't mention. He'll cancel our podcast. The J-Man. He'll block us on Twitter. Um, Doctor sleep. 
Doctor Sleep. Whenever I say something, it's Doctor. I can't. I can't think of like I can't but think of that dude. Doctor Sleep. Um, it was a it was a big surprise for me. If I'm gonna be honest, like I remember the trailers and stuff. I'm like, it really just seemed they're just banking on the nostalgia of The Shining, you know, like. And it, it is technically a sequel to it. I'm just like, what's gonna happen here? You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on. But uh, when we saw it, it turned out to be its own uh, special story. You know, about Danny and his own demons that he has. You know, both, both literally and figuratively. You know, after the years have passed since the incident at the Overlook Hotel. Um, it, it I remember the film went by in an instant. I think the only part where it slowed down is when we got haunted by those two dolls in the theater. Um, <laughs> Can I tell that story? Have yeah. Have you told that story before? I, we, I know we've talked about this movie before, but I, I would be surprised if someone has listened to every episode of this show. So you can tell the story, Chris. All right. I'll try and, I'll try and uh, keep it condensed. Yeah. Um, so if anyone doesn't know, when we saw Dr. Sleep together, um, a couple seats down from us in the same row as us, there was this one kid sitting there watching the movie, you know, just normal person just doing his thing. And we're like, okay, cool. And then midway through the movie, and keep in mind, our friend Joey was with us. In the, uh, it was the four of us. Friend and show. we, um, we, at one point I look over and the kid straight up has two of the little girl like dolls in the cup holders, like surrounding his seat. And they're just sitting there watching the movie with him. And Joey and I like almost shit our pants because this movie's, fucking scary and shining scary so we and like we tell ethan and brandon and we're like oh my god oh my god oh my god and then a little bit later like 20 minutes later we look over again and the dude's gone but the dolls are still there okay and he so was gone like, for like a third of the movie yeah yeah so and, but how i uh interpreted the events when i saw it i didn't <laughs> see the dolls with the dude before you just saw the dolls i just saw the dolls i didn't even yeah. see the dude sitting next to us because i'm gonna admit I was high when I saw this movie. Uh, I think Joey and I were high when we saw this movie. Um, so I remember seeing Chris freak out and be like, dude, 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 look. And I looked down and the two twin sisters, the dolls, the twin sisters from The Shining were were sitting in like uh, the cup holders in our same row. And the theater was mostly empty too. It was like just us and him. So when I saw those dolls, I had like, one of the most like insane reactions like in my chest where I, I was like i feel like i was pulled out of my body where i was like <laughs> holy shit shit like are, are like it was like are ghosts real like for a split second and i had the most insane like questioning all of reality because i was like this can't I, I it was like oh shit dog this can't be happening to me <laughs> like <laughs> I was so fucking, I was so scared. <laughs> but then he came back and started eating. And it, they were there for, he left for a long time for like yeah, a whole, like, for like a whole 20 minutes, whole 20 yeah. or 30 minutes of the movie. This dude's gone. It's just the dolls. And I'm just like, oh shit, this can't be happening to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, that it, was like. Right? Honestly, that moment's more memorable than the movie itself. <laughs> the movie's still good, but I will always remember that movie because of that moment. It's one of the scariest theater-going experiences scariest I think I've ever heard. Yeah, 
I think that's that the scary, the most scared the I've ever been in a movie ever, because it was like real life. You know, I don't know. The most scared I've been, I should say, of like the supernatural. I've been scared of other stuff in movies, like of aliens and stuff, but of the supernatural, that's the most I've ever been scared. So, Chris, did you say anything about Doctor Sleep? What, how'd you uh, like it? Oh yeah, um, I I didn't like uh, Doctor Sleep nearly as much as you guys did, but I do think it's a pretty solid. Uh, follow up to the original. I do think if I rewatched it, I would admire it a lot more than I did back then. It's currently sitting at a three out of five for me. Um, but I will say, I really, really respect Mike Flanagan as a director. I think he's climbed his way through the ranks of the, of um, you know, like horror directing, for like you know, just he's he's really like made a name for himself. Like he he's directed um, Hush, Haunting of Hill House, and Blind Manor, Oculus, Gerald's Game. Uh, Ouija and just like all this other stuff and like I'm excited to see where this guy's career goes because I think he's like like he's found a pretty unique voice as a film director like in the world of horror I feel like oh yeah, yeah. and um, I love yeah, I think, Oculus that movie's yeah. great and yeah so I'm excited to see what he does next um, I don't know what else to say about this movie that you guys haven't said already but like um, I mean you guys know I love Rebecca Ferguson uh I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this movie's yeah. This movie's really interesting. I do. I like. I like you guys said. Like, I really like that. It was a continuation of the story, but didn't feel like it needed to bank off the fact that it is a continuation of a story because mm-hmm. it's its own kind of self-contained thing. Because, I mean, yeah, like Danny in the first film is not that prominent of a role, well, relatively speaking. But in this one, he's you get to build up his character. You learn about him and. Yeah, I think it works great. And it's so sad. Yeah, very sad. It is very sad. Character. Uh, I like it. Yeah, it's interesting to see Mike Flanagan. Like, uh, he's. I think he's found his footing in like horror miniseries. You know, he yeah. really he likes to spend his time uh, developing his horror worlds. It seems his what I, words. I want to. I want to check out his haunting of of Hill blank. House. You know, I, I heard Hill House is phenomenal. We watched one scene from the episode that was like supposed to look like it's all in one take, uh, for my intro to visual storytelling class, all the way back in college. Um, but if that, it's meant to be all one, ta- the entire episode to be one take, isn't that all just kind of one scene? <sighs> is it an episode or is it a scene? Or stunt? Is it is or is it a gimmick? <sighs> I gotta get out of here. <laughs> all right he's back yeah, into a that... corner now boys we got him <laughs> uh i hate the fbi i hate the fbi um chris what is your first film your first um, stephen king picture i'm gonna mix up my order just because we're already on the topic i'm just gonna say it right now i'm picking shining just because i Ooh. i i um <laughs> like this pick is very obvious i would yeah. have been shocked if we didn't i would have been shocked if we didn't get double stack and yeah we didn't get double stack um, I didn't want to have to be that guy, but I was worried one of you would play the I'm an indie film boy thing and not pick this movie. <laughs> oh, oh, and oh, I oh, and I did, I did, I did, because I knew you were gonna pick this movie, so I didn't yeah. pick it. So it's like, no, I don't blame you. It's I felt like someone had to pick this movie, and it may as well be me because this is my favorite of uh, of um, of any of the uh, Stephen King adaptations, and it's my favorite. Um, and it's my favorite uh, what horror film, name? Stanley Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick right. film. Uh, so I'll take Ooh. the bullet for this one, and it's a pretty good bullet to take because Shining's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, 
I mean, you know, there there hasn't there isn't much to be said about this movie that hasn't been said in the last 42 years that this movie has been out. Whoa. Um, it has been analyzed, speculated on, dissected inside and out for so long. And to this day, even, it's still one of the most elusive pieces of film I've seen in terms of the horror world. Um, trying to interpret this movie is a very ambitious task, considering how eerily mysterious it all is. Um, you know, that doesn't, and that doesn't mean that this film is incoherent. It's actually a wildly simple movie to follow. But the way it navigates, like, psychopathy, abuse, and superna- the supernatural um, really does leave a very distinct impression. The symbolism in this film and the blurred lines um, between what's real and what isn't is really strong. Um, yeah. we, we, we could sit here for hours and talk about any Stanley Kubrick movie, let alone The Shining. Um, but one thing I will highlight about this film is I, I think it is criminally, under, uh, criminally overlooked um, is Shelley Duvall's performance as Wendy. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, every, obviously, everybody talks about Jack Nicholson's performance, and which is amazing. But Shelley Duvall's performance being such an authentic portrayal of pure fear and terror is unbelievable. The look in her eye, like she's one of the actresses, one of the few people um, that can really act with their eyes. And um, yeah, it is phenomenal what she does in this movie. Um, There's also the elephant in the room with this this conversation about um, the way in which Kubrick handled directing her yeah um because i feel like um if anyone who here doesn't know or anyone listening um he put duvall through a lot of emotional and mental abuse throughout shooting um so that she would maintain her very disheveled performance um but it got to a point where it left a very very significant scar on her mental well-being um, which is obviously something that I cannot condone. I don't think any of us would condone that, even yeah. as much as we admire her performance. Um, and God, I, I hate it when great artists are terrible people. Um, that's just something mm. I want to acknowledge, since it unfortunately gets overshadowed a lot by Nicholson's performance. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is there anything you guys want to say about Shining? This movie gets talked about so much. I don't want to spend too much time on it if we don't have to. But... Anything you guys want to throw in there? Yeah, this is uh, this might be my favorite Stephen King, Stephen King but I knew you were gonna pick it. Um, and I wanted to highlight some other films. Um, it is, it is also not really a great Stephen King a- adaptation because I guess it's apparently no, it's very inaccurate. Inaccurate, but that might be a good thing because I heard the original saying is not that great. Um, like the book. Um. But there might be fans out there. Sorry, I don't know. I haven't read. Remember, I don't know how to read, so don't come after me. Don't attack me. You can't attack me anyways because I don't know how to read. So you can't send me hate comments because I don't know how to read them. Ha! Uh, I can't. I'll read them and I'll broadcast them. No, <laughs> don't don't read them out loud to me, please. I'll cry. Um, <laughs> just gonna be. Why why is this episode of me just gaslighting people that I don't know how to read? I don't know. That's it. Watch like a future employer be like, oh, he uh, he, he has a podcast called Stacked. And it's just be just saying, I don't know how to read. It's like, oh, we're not going to hire him. He doesn't know how to read. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I love The Shining. All the stuff uh, he right is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how to read. Anyways, I fucking love The Shining. I love this movie. Uh, I love how how overanalyzed it is. I love that a work of art can do that to people. You know, I, I mean, that documentary that analyzes all the theories is not good at all. Um 
but it's still super cool that it exists and then people have all these theories that they're able to pull apart this film like a pulled pork and take a look at it all you know um yeah i bet everyone's been really have have their mouth water for that fucking analogy pulled pork um I am I am just on it today. I'm sorry. I love this movie. Um, Jack Nicholson, all time. I think it's his greatest performance ever. What? Why are you winking every day to slap me? Is that what? <laughs> oh, Chris looks scared. Uh, all work, all stacked work and no play makes Ethan a dull boy. <laughs> Uh, I love this movie. Brandon, you think it's mid. Why? I, I don't think it's mid. I think it's a very... You think it's mid. You think it's garbage. I think, Why? I think I think the reputation... It, the reputation makes me want to say it's mid, but it's not. It's a really well-made, simple, uh, stuck-in-a-cabin <laughs> hotel and snowed-in kind of movie, and that's about it. Like, that's all I get from it. Like, the ghost stuff is like, okay, uh, <laughs> that's okay I, if you like it. I don't really no, care I, about I, theorizing I, about this movie. <laughs> I, I, I I will say, like, even as someone who really does like this movie, like, I do understand that kind of, like, aversion to this movie, considering it's, like, it's kind of giant reputation and, like, yeah. left. I have the same feelings about this. Um, where I haven't, well, not the exact same, but, like, similar feelings about this. Uh, as But for me, it's with Godfather. Because for me, it's, like, one of those movies that gets touted around a lot. But in a weird way, I want to hate this movie because of that. But, See, but I don't I feel that way it. about Citizen Kane because I love, I really like Citizen Kane. I feel like that's a pop that that feeling is a popular one with Citizen Kane, where a lot of yeah. people are like, "I fucking hate this movie because of its reputation." Not even because it's because for me, like, I like that movie, but I don't think it's the greatest film ever made. No, yeah. I don't either. I think it's okay. The vibe, I think its vibes are immaculate. <laughs> the vibes some, some, yo dude, i'm really vibing with this citizen kane movie yeah look at this same way oh, look at, same look with at this yo, bustling, yo look at this bustling fucking election office damn look at this newspaper this the vibes are man. i want to I, I, I wish i could live in this movie dog what the fuck you mean no, the vibes I'm talking about citizen this kane. the cinematography oh i want to live it blends like xanadu vibes i'm loving this <laughs> <laughs> but then like I the rename cinematography to vibes because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the shining has i'm down to start vibes. calling cinematography vibes, <laughs> vibes. <laughs> we are trending towards idiocracy guys and this ain't good <laughs> i like it i like it a lot i don't know how to read <laughs> uh okay so brandon loves the shining um i know i like it it's just not as good as everybody says it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad we got to talk about this film and get it over with, get it out of the way because that's it's the it's the it's like it's the it's elephant obvious. in the room. Come on, you got to have it. Yeah, yeah got to have it. it right? Uh, I think I'm gonna go with another obvious one. I think this is like his second most popular one. Uh, I'm gonna go with it. Chapter one, 2017. Andy Muschietti. Um, nope. Chapter two is yeah. better, but. Okay. Uh, no, you are you are in such the minority that you. <laughs> first of all, you like it. Chapter two. That's that's a minority of its own. That is a, the, that is a big minority. The fact that you love it. Chapter two. I hope you talk. You're probably gonna talk about it on the stack. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe because I want. I have actually. 
I haven't heard you like talk about this movie at all since we saw it. I just remember you're like, I loved it. Everyone was like, oh, that sucked. And you're like, no, but I loved it. Anyways, we'll probably talk about it later. If not, we'll talk about it after the episode. Um, it's chapter <laughs> one. Uh, this was this was a phenomenon. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah, that. a lot of people got into this movie. People were people were loving it. A lot of people yeah, loved this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's the the trailers. Like, I remember the. F- oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris can do it better. You lied, and I die. Um, <laughs> oh man, I I I'm so glad someone's just sitting on the bus, like listening to Stacked on their phone. They're just listening to these fucking idiots, like just like <laughs> you know, like I I want to apologize, to, like Slim Nave and Alex McKnight, if you're listening to this, just like. Are two yeah, just like average people who fans. found us, and they're just like, huh? And we're just like, they're gonna stop listening If you guys are listening to this, and I'm very curious, like, what state are you guys in when you listen to these? Like, are you driving? Are you like, are you in Nebraska, Nevada? Are you trying to fall asleep and you're listening to us go, you died family family anyways all right <laughs> let me talk about it in chapter one um it was such a phenomenon when this movie first came out i remember the trailer sparked the clown plague of 2016 do you guys remember that yeah when people the murder clown clowns and shit that was holy so shit that was insane wait so that carried over to hong kong because i remember that was before became chapman about like just clowns became becoming a thing was like yeah Ooh. It was insane. Just like all the videos of people like going out at night and finding clowns in the forest and stuff. Like, oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. That must have uh, been a viral marketing. And thing. then later that fall, they got a clown in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm in a uh, silly, goofy mood. Uh, I'm done with much this like, guy. <laughs> much like a clown. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> in chapter one. Oh, yeah. uh, in chapter one rules. It rules because uh, th- you had the Tim Curry, it the TV special, you know, and Which that one was right. pretty pretty iconic. Even though it's all right, like the first half is good, the second half is trash. Yes, um, unlike the the sequel. Reboot. Oh, oh, shush you. Um, <laughs> but here, Andy Muschietti was able to sort of perfectly blend a modern, uh, the modern sensibility that Stephen King had with those his coming of age films like Stand by Me, you know and uh translate the horror elements to it but uh the modern horror elements to it like sort of having a conjuring vibe you know uh what did Andy muschietti do before he did uh what did he do he before this that. one did he do mama Couldn't he did right. mama he did mama that's right mama um mama was he a james wan like find i feel like he was he's part of james wan's production company i don't know he's a warner brothers boy oh. so i just assumed uh anyways Anyways, he knocked out of the park with this film. Um, one, the Scarsguard boy, forgot which one. Uh, which one? Which one was it? Which one played Pennywise? Uh, Peter? No, Pete? not Peter. No. Bill. 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 It's Bill. Yeah. Bill Scarsguard. Yeah. yeah. Not Alexander. Yeah. Bill. Bill. Uh, the, the Scarsguard brothers kind of evolve like Pokemon. There's Bill that evolves into <laughs> uh, that evolves into Alexander. And then Peter's like the the older one, and then Stellan's like the uh, the grandfather, the, the grandfather, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
All uh, great actors, though. Yeah, they're all they, great. They, what a Scarlet what a talented family. Yeah, what is their mom the bald ones? What is their mom? Do? I bet that mom's fucking embarrassed. <laughs> what did, what does she do, huh? <laughs> you bring nothing to this family. <laughs> Stellan's at at least Mama Mia and Dune. I want to I want to look up right now. What does Skeleton Skarsgård's wife do? Uh, um, while you're doing that, I'll talk a little bit about. Oh, she I... died in 2007. Sorry. Oh, oh my condolences. Oh, 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 oh God. <laughs> Uh, the vibes are not. The vibes are not there. The cinematography is not here. Bad Cindy. The cinematography is not here. I just want to say I apologize to the Skarsgård family, and um, I don't know how to read. So, um, anyways, uh, (laughs) it chapter one, very good movie. What do you guys think? I really like this movie. I remember being really enthralled by like it's like 1980s kind of riff on things, and just like kind of like I liked how the way it approached the story. Of course, yes, Pennywise is a major part of it. The, and like the mystery of all that, the horror of all that. But you see kind of each kid um, go through and like like what their domestic home life is like. And you see like the issues that they have and why they work so good as a unit because they help to comfort each other and find like, and yeah, they find their childlike innocence when they're together. Um, well, we might get into it chapter two as a conversation point later, but I just want to say, I think it chapter. I don't think it chapter two is a bad movie. I do think it does a good job of kind of honing into the themes of each of every each member of the Losers Club, uh, which I think is a, the major backbone of this series is the care the kids and you know how they grow and whatnot. But I'll get to that later if that comes up. We'll see. Um, yeah, it's great. I think it's really fun. It's really endearing, very scary, but also very, very, very fun. Um, there's a scene where Pennywise comes out of a refrigerator in this movie and that oh when he's twisting his way out and that music ramps up and everything and it's just like the kid the kid's got his broken arm and shit it's just like oh this is fantastic i love it uh brandon it's chapter one pretty good movie not as good as the second one i'm gonna use this time to defend the second one because spoiler alert we're not talking about it i got two better movies to talk about um um but it chapter two is fantastic because it exa- it may be a repetitive movie. I don't disagree with that criticism at all, but sometimes the best thing is the the, the best thing about horror is they're throwing the it is repetitive and that's terrifying because it's constantly being thrown at these characters and not only do they have to relive their trauma but they have to deal with the grief of the the loss of loved ones, they have to deal with their own childhood trauma that's built in and I think it is such a stand like a, like a raise in quality from the miniseries is part two because the miniseries part two is like kind of lame the first part is almost like it almost like stands on its own whereas this one is like yeah it's pretty good i guess like um but yeah part one very good i think part one is definitely scarier than part two uh, i think there were moments in part two that were ruined by a certain film goer in the audience yeah, Where's part one? That story? <laughs> my, Ethan, you're my, muted. My one big uh, outburst. Ethan, you're muted. Oh my god! That's so I I I muted myself a while ago because I wanted to chug water. I've been participating in this conversation. The whole time. That's why I've been ignoring you. I was like, why is he ignoring me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you. 
Um, why? What is it with Stephen King movies and us just having insane theatrical experiences? Chris, <laughs> tell the story. True. This okay, is this is the night, most right? I've this is the most I've embarrassed I've ever been in a movie. Chris, tell the story. All right. So, first of all, let me just say like, usually I am very good at, at keeping my mouth shut. I am very very non-confrontational usually, but there were these. Um, I think three or four people in the front row um, throughout the movie were like, like okay, I remember during the trailers, you know, they got their phones out, they're having a good time. You know, everyone's everyone's having a good time, and it's like okay, you know, watching trailers, having a good time. Like it's a it's a it's opening weekend of it chapter two, like whatever. It's a horror movie, and then a horror movie. So it's like okay, this this is exciting. We're in a big theater too, you know. Our friends are all together. It's a good time. Um, and but throughout the movie, they would like sporadically like be on their phones which usually i'm like oh that's kind of annoying especially since they're in the front row everyone can see it um yeah. and that that bright light is like at maximum um they at some points they are literally taking phone calls in the middle of the movie at one point when pennywise first appears in um in the dark they literally take a photo with flash on this is and keep in mind this is a scene right before a little girl dies in this movie yeah um and you know they're taking selfies they're making they're talking loud and everything eventually chris um, and my friend justin and our friend justin um justin goes first justin uh yells get off your phone in the middle of the theater yeah. which you know it's like whoa. whoa but um i don't know what it was guys like i still sometimes look back at this with a little bit a good bit of shame because i really do pride myself on being kind of a mellow person you know mm-hmm. um but dude i don't know I, it just really hit me that day because i felt so i was so angry at the fact that like how could you disrespect like over a hundred and what 50 people in the theater with you yeah people who took time out of their night to come here have a good time with their friends and family and their loved ones and enjoy a movie like i don't know that just felt so selfish to me and so yeah like, just like awful and like i I don't know what it was. It just came over me and I screamed in the theater, get off your fucking phone as loud as I could. And yeah. keep in mind, very few people here, especially in the States here, because you guys only know me for like five years. Yeah. Around six, yeah. Like, like very few of you have ever seen me lose my cool. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even in life, very few people have seen me lose my cool. Um, and that was probably the biggest time I've ever lost my cool while in a, it, I'm. I listen, I'm Chris. I'm proud of you for doing that. I think it needed to be done. I think the. I think people like that need to be taught a lesson. But in the moment, I sunk to the bottom of my chair and I was like, it was like I've never seen the sight of Chris before in my life, you know. And I was like, oh my god. And that everybody around us was either like, who fucking said that, and like, yeah. or was like laughing or giggling, and it was like. I was just vibing with the movie, you know, honestly. You're like, oh, the vibes? Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, hey, I could get used to this. <laughs> More fights in my horror movie. Hey, this is just care. like Citizen Kane, huh? Hey, I could get used to this. <laughs> anyway, that's the in Chapter 2 screenshot. Yeah, what the fuck is it with Steven? We should go see Firestarter. Oh. Okay, we could. <laughs> but, uh, it we looks could. awful, but hey, I'm I'm always down to watch a movie, so why not? Yeah. 
Let's do um, it. And let's pull out yeah. our phones during the movie, too. That should be a good idea. Sit in the front row. <laughs> what if it was us from the future? Travel back <gasps> to the what? past. Oh, <laughs> what if it was? <laughs> we cock our heads back, and it's us with, like, beards and eye patches, like, ti- post-time skip versions of post-apocalyptic. <laughs> like, get off your phone! Ah! <laughs> And then we had a like good coming of age horror movie. Good mix, you know. You don't really yeah. see that often. That's true. All right. Oh my fucking god. All right. We have <laughs> gone so long. This episode's gonna be our long. We're already forty minutes in. We just got through the first round. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! The, the right. vibes are immaculate. Should we, should we right? Let's speed run this next round. Brandon, what is your second pick? Uh, the mist. Two thousand. Hey, double stack. Hey. All right, we're speeding up. That's a double <laughs> stack. Yeah. We, we don't need a speed that's, run. We got this. That's legitimately a double stack. That's not me trying to speed up the show. That's legitimately a double stack. Let's talk about it. I love this <laughs> okay. movie. Uh, this is probably one of the most underrated Stephen King films, and I don't know why. Because yeah. a lot of people, they look at this movie, and maybe it's just Frank Darabout's direction. Like, he just makes good movies, and people are like, just overlook them for no reason. Or like, they don't give them awards for no reason. Because when I look at The Mist, it's like such a good self contained monster horror movie yeah. that manages to balance its human characters and the external threat really well, you know? And it's like biblical in theme, and you oh. can kind of read into that yeah. in a way that is like super thrilling. Like, I didn't know human characters would be the focus of this movie given its title and like setup but it's truly brilliant and like the ending is one of the best oh. it is oh. the gr- it is like top five greatest endings in all of cinema it's one of my all-time favorites not to overhype it or anything but it's pretty damn it's good. pretty good because yeah. the the music it perfectly matches just the devastation you know you're mm-hmm. just like fuck oh it's you feel so Thomas good. Jane, and he's yeah. really good in this movie. He's too. so good, he's yeah. so good in this movie. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I gave the mist a four when I first saw it, but I think if I watch it again, I'll go higher because just the more I think about this movie, the more I, I just think it's phenomenal. Um, just it is, it is so. It reminds me, it is like it is there with John Carpenter's The Thing, where where King uses cosmic horror um as a sort of uh a vessel to uh communicate these uh problems that root uh through like our own us as social creatures you know and sort of betrayal selfless like selfishness um and then how that plays into religion itself because we have we have sort of these characters who are very uh, devout religious characters who are facing what they believe to be an apocalyptic event, you know, and they think what they have to do is how they've been taught through the, the Old Testament and stuff like that. And it creates people who don't believe in that to sort of clash and just how um, how it changes people, how how organized religion if- can change people when their life is on the line. It also brings out the best and the worst side of people in a way, which is like super exciting for a movie to examine like human reaction. Like I love disaster movies. I used to hate them when I was a kid because they scared me. But now I love them to just see how it affects the human desire to 
live or help other people you know does the survival fight or flight instinct take precedent you know like that greenland it's not a stephen king movie or novel but it came out like in 2020 so nobody saw it is like a great movie for doing that and the mist is like almost better because of how it layered it is you know mm-hmm. it's biblical it's a it's massive it's like mother too like mother's a good comp for this movie it's just not as mother's more uh direct in its comparison but metaphorical in its uh construction i'd say yeah um yeah and you just gotta watch for the ending chris you've seen the mist yes i love the mist this was very close to my to making it uh mm-hmm. onto mine um yeah i mean you guys have nailed the nailed it on the head like i i think the one thing i'll say is like i yeah ethan like you talked about how this movie has that cosmic horror element which i do think lovecraftian horror is especially hard to do in the medium of film because i think so much of the effect of lovecraftian horror comes from the the unexplainable the the un the unknowable mystery and of course film is a visual medium um but the way that they handle that is through yeah the, a mist, a giant mist that you can't comprehend what's on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. And I think Lovecraftian horror is an incredibly effective um, mode to convey like a sublime, the sublime feeling and everything like that. Um, it's a great existential pe- way to go, go about things, which anyone who knows the show knows that we like existentialism here. Um, yes. And yeah, yeah. Uh, not much else to say about the miss. It's great. Frank Darabont kills it with this one. His cast. If you like Walking Dead, check out this movie. You'll see a lot of familiar faces. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, great, great. I like it. It's just it's almost you... like a TV movie, but it's. That's 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 my a few of my complaints. It does feel low budget and TV movie. You know, like I think the 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 vibes. I guess is what we call it. Seems a bit <laughs> cheap. Um, the visual effects. Um, but I heard the black and white version makes it more, like, creates more substance for it. Like that. Maybe it's the color. Because people say it's also like, um, it's a very 50s sci-fi sort of plot, you know? Um, it does feel a lot like, uh, something like, uh, not 50, this isn't sci-fi, but, um, what's, what's the nuclear movie you like, Brandon? Failsafe failsafe feel like something like that you know um it brings a similar energy and people say like the black and white really brings that out and it helps uh the the vibes with the cinema the the visual effects (laughs) you know uh uh but i do you own this movie brandon yeah i own the mist i might buy the blu-ray of it i don't know i have the dvd so you might well, I'm gonna buy the Blu-ray because I want to rewatch this movie. I want to own this movie. It's so so good, so good. All right, well uh, so there we go. Look, that was the set. Oh wait, no, that's not the second round. Chris, what's your second movie? Sorry. All right, I'm picking uh, another Frank Darabont movie, uh, oh. 1999's The Green Mile. Oh, Whoa. Eight Mile, love that movie. Eminem, let's go. Oh yeah, Eminem. <laughs> nice callback. Are, are we um, gonna address the elephant uh, in the room? <laughs> um. Yeah, this is definitely one like the most emotional like Stephen King adaptation for me. Um, this movie deals with themes of mortality, racial discrimination, and incarceration. It's a very dense, dense thematic film, but it doesn't really come across that way when you watch it because I feel like the way Darabont handles his direction, like 
he always handles it where those themes aren't really shoved down your throat, but really gently like interwoven into the fabric of the way you see, think about, and feel for the story. Um, there isn't really much to say about this movie in terms of its craft other than the acting is absolutely fantastic. I think Tom Hanks and Michael Clark Duncan are especially good here. Um, the rest of the craftsmanship behind the film, the vibes, if you will, are generally very <laughs> Damn good. It. Um, yeah. Um, I do want to quickly just uh, throw in there a critique of this film that I saw on Letterboxd. I found a Letterboxd review um, earlier this afternoon that um, criticized this movie in much the same way many would criticize The Help um, in the sense of its white savior narrative and yeah. the patronizing yeah. approach towards people of color. Um, I can definitely see that angle. I certainly and like I and certainly can see why why that is frustrating, especially for me being a person of color. I like I get it. But as far as how I personally feel about it, I'm pretty forgiving of films that may incidentally misrepresent a subject, so long as it's it's done with like very moral and genuine intentions. If if that makes sense, um, there's a whole conversation to get into about that. But that's I'll leave that out because that's a whole other can of worms to open. Um, but anyways, Green Mile is a movie that really does move me and makes me think very deeply about my own life and my own prejudices and makes me reflect on things a lot. Um, I do like this movie. I think, Brandon, you've seen this. Ethan, have you? I have not seen this. It's one of my biggest uh, Stephen King blind spots. So, Brandon, have you seen it? It's Yeah, I have. Sam Rockwell's really good in it. As a oh, yeah, in Rockwell's in it. I had no yeah, idea he was in it. He's really good in this movie. Uh, it's one of his like first, I feel like, big performances. Um, he's what I think of when I think of this movie. It, it is one I feel like Darabont's good at this. He's good at Darabont is good about pulling the heartstrings of yeah. uh, the viewers, and it's not in a way that feels anyway manipulative, except in this movie. But I will say it's still effective. I, I don't care. Like the other two movies he did for Stephen King are far more emotionally resonant for me but it still is a solid film in what it's saying it's just kind of silly i ca- it kind of sil- i get silly vibes from this movie about the death penalty and <laughs> stuff oh i God. i don't mean to i don't mean to be like rude but like there's something i don't know chris can you speak to like the magical nature of this there, okay. movie being kind of awkward like, so there is like a like when you first watch the movie you wouldn't expect a supernatural element to make its way in this movie yeah i don't want to spoil too much here because ethan hasn't seen it um but there is like kind of like a it's a jarring it's, i wouldn't switch. i wouldn't call it like amateurish or anything but there's something kind of like like kind of corny about the way it's depicted you know what i mean it's a little yeah. like like ooh, like pixie magic kind of yeah. thing you know? it has a little bit lighter of a touch that you would imagine for a movie about death and murder and abuse and shit like that. Yeah. Um, so no, I get, I get what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I get Tonally, it. Tonally, it's very weird because there's a scene in this movie that is probably one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Oh yeah, there, there is one scene in this movie that is like, holy fucking shit. That but is then the, messed up. But then the relationship between Tom Hanks and Michael Clark Duncan is so wholesome. It's so cute. It's so cute and magical, and it's like, what? What is this? Like a kids' movie mixed with this like very dark, gritty depiction of people on death row. I don't know. I can't understand. Some might this. Call, not call him the villain of this story. Of this here. here. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Well, uh, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it. I haven't <laughs> seen it. 
I've it's, heard I've heard good, good things. Good. So I want to check it out. All right, let's get into this final round here. Final We're at 51 round, minutes. Let's rip it, rip it, rip it, rip it, rip it out. Brandon, what's our first pick? Your first pick? I said, what's our first pick? What's your first pick? Oh, Gerald's game. Oh, no, your last pick. Sorry, I don't know why I said first pick. Gerald's game? Gerald's yeah. game? Yeah, which is another Mike Flanagan movie. This guy I is a, I didn't even know this, this was a Stephen guy. King movie. I've heard of this movie. I've heard nothing that happens in this movie. I didn't even know it was Stephen King, though. It is fantastic. When I say you need to check out this movie as soon as you can, I mean it. Because... This movie, and Mike Flanagan can talk about it, or you can look up interviews where he talks about it when this movie came out. Um, It was like an unfilmable movie because it takes place in one location. It Not that one. No. No. That's Jerry's <laughs> game. game. No. They're two different movies. One's about so an old guy playing... So he plays chess with himself, right? <laughs> he play... That movie's about a guy playing chess with himself. This one's about a lady who goes to have a weekend with her husband who is growing older and older and they're going to have a special weekend together where they have sex and rekindle their relationship. But guess what? She's hooked up to the bed, they're having sex, and then he has a heart attack. Oh. Oh. Wait, that's a great log line. (laughs) So uh, basically, Bruce Greenwood's character dies while they're having sex and she's haunted by the trauma of her past the terrorizing figure that stands in a doorway and just stares at her and she can do nothing about it and guess what outside there's a ravenous wolf who's trying to get inside what so yeah (laughs) because she he left the door open to the house so there's a lot going on here, and for a movie that was considered unfilmable because of the one location, because of the a lot of inner dialogue going on in the main character's head, there's a lot creatively done here, and it is crazy good. Like, very well done. I love one location movies and how they sort of delve into the character's psyche and do it in a creative way, and this movie is no different from like something like 12 Angry Men and how captivating it is. The screenplay carries it. The performances are good. This is Carly Gugino, or Gugino's best performance. It is only a Netflix movie, so you have to have a Netflix description uh, subscription to watch it. <laughs> description. Uh, description. You have to have a description. Of link the in the description time. below, guys. We'll <laughs> yeah, link, we'll link but, it to the movie below. <laughs> but it it drives her crazy, as you'd imagine it would, because like she has to go like days, or maybe maybe she doesn't. Maybe she has to like she has to find her way out of this situation while also dealing with. Her deliriousness from becoming dehydrated, from becoming like starved. And it's crazy good because of how psychological it becomes in the end. Because it's not just a body horror picture. And if I could only just show you one image from the movie, I'm going to show you this. Now, don't expect this the whole movie, but it's haunting. All right. Can you you text that to me, Brandon, so I can show the listeners or the viewers if you're watching on YouTube? Kind of looks like uh, Uncle Boomy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a real guy's face by the way it's not like a makeup or anything. his eyes really glow like that okay not the eyes the eyes are <laughs> wow so yeah man you're out these days make their eyes if, glow if you like mike flanagan and you liked oculus then this is in line with that that's all i gotta say oh okay 
I gotta check that out because I really like Oculus. Yeah, I remember watching that movie as a kid, and that I I almost shit a brick at the end of that movie. I saw it in theaters. Bro, I, I saw it in my friend's living room, and we were all screaming. It was great. Bro, I played I played a I played a the rhythm night on uh, the Oculus Rift. Does that count? Nobody cares about Sorry. it. Sorry, no, that's oh, that's true. Damn, I can't, damn. can't read. Oh, yeah, that's that awesome. gets that's, that's haunting. Absolutely haunting, bruv. Of Hill House. Um, the haunting of Hill House. Ah, the villain. Okay. Uh very nice pick, Brandon. Uh very interesting. Scary, spooky. Um Chris, what's your last film, huh? Okay. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna end with the first film that ever made me aware of Stephen King as a as an existence. Carrie. Brian De Palma's Carrie. Brian De Palma's Carrie. I knew that was coming it's up. Okay. Let's talk yeah. about it. Um, okay, I saw your guys' reviews. Uh, and I agree. I gave this movie a three and a half. Um, I will get into why in a bit, but first of all, um, I remember prior to seeing this film as a kid, the image of Carrie in her prom dress covered in blood. For some reason, that image just haunted me as a child. Like, stop it. Um, it is very, I don't know, but the, the, it, you know what it is, Brandon? It's this, it's the eyes. You are very free. For somebody who likes cinematography, you really like eyes. You're really scared. Yeah, for a guy who really likes vibes. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. dude. Something about big <laughs> eyes when in eerie situations. Fuck that. Um, at the time, uh, as a kid, I didn't know anything about this movie beyond that one image, which, of course, as an impressionable and innocent child, was one, was one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. Um, but eventually, I sought out this movie... And found a much more thematically complex film than I ever imagined it would be growing up. And it deals with subjects of femininity, sexuality, religion, violence, sin, and the supernatural. Um, there are many angles you can analyze this film from. But it's also a very focused piece about this gentle but troubled girl being pushed to the edge by her fanatically religious mother and a very toxic high school environment which is its own theme in and of itself because that is an unfortunate commonplace thing in high school. Um, I have a lot of admiration for this film because of how batshit nuts it's willing to go. There's a lot of slow-mo sequences. It's very, it's a very like vibrant movie considering it's, especially considering its subject. Um, and the themes resonate pretty well with me. Um, it reminds me a lot of movies like Raw and Revenge in terms of the general themes and the approach that they take towards them. Uh, by the way, both of those are French movies. Maybe they need to make a French remake of Carrie. I don't know. Um, but actually, no, they don't need to remake Carrie. Um, because we know how that happened in 2013 with the Chloe Grace Moretz version, which sucked ass. Um, there is some stuff that I do remember wishing was a bit more refined with this movie. Um, I'd love for Carrie to be developed as an individual character outside of all of her trauma um, because I feel like that would give the audience so much more to latch onto. Um, because yeah, this movie's relentless against her. And but also maybe that's the point of this movie where it's easier for people to see themselves in her because of the relatively low amount of characterization she gets. Um, I'm pretty far removed from this movie. I haven't seen it since high school. It's definitely due for a rewatch. Um, but I'm curious to see how it holds up now. But I felt like I was going to be doing a disservice to myself and to Stephen King if I didn't at least acknowledge this film. Mm-hmm. Um, that has fallen under the radars, like, over the years. Like, I don't think anybody really talks about Carrie anymore. 
Um, Especially with the yeah, remake being as yeah, that fucking prevalent as it is. <laughs> um, anyway, you guys got anything you want to throw in there about Carrie? Um, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, I think it does yeah. a very good job of like snap, like taking a snapshot of like toxic high school culture back in the day. You know, I think he, yeah. uh, Stephen King once again does a very good job blending a different kind of coming of age in horror. You know, it's different from it, but it's like it's still a very good um, sort of uh, conjunction of the two. You know, um, yeah. Uh, one thing. That I gotta say is Sissy Spacek's uh, performance in this film is incredible. I think I think she's able sub- to subdue all of this abuse uh, in her, and then just to finally let it all out by the end with like just like that stare that she has, that just insane, scary, and like hateful stare. Um, but yeah, I I I feel like I didn't I don't get enough from this film when I watch it, you know. But um. Yeah. Brian, what do you think? Um I'm just not a big De Palma guy from the two De Palmas I've seen. Which ones have you uh, seen? What, 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 what De Palmas have you seen? Mission Impossible and this. I just think both are Wait, just Wait, you, you haven't seen a uh, Blowout? Blowout? Well, Blowout. Nope. Blowout. I haven't seen Blowout or uh, Scarface. I haven't uh, seen Scarface either. Scarface. Scarface. Both of you haven't seen Scarface. Scarface is my biggest blind spot as a a film fan. I feel like when everybody is like, well, you haven't seen that one? And I'm like, yeah, deal with it. Uh, no. Uh, but whenever I look at Carrie, I'm like, this movie is just okay. Like, there's nothing particularly striking about the movie outside of its visual flair and De Palma's energy regarding this teenage character. Because you do see her bullied throughout the movie in a way that is like very realistic. And I I do appreciate that. But when it comes to, like, how the film sort of plays out, it's like, okay, but, like, to me, it doesn't really have the emotional impact that I think he's going for with it, which is, like, you're supposed to be cathartically rooting for her to do this because of, like, how terrible the people are to her in the movie. But I don't know why I'm not. Like, it never reaches those highs, even if it's, like, a horror movie. It's just... I just don't find a lot of emotional enjoyment or satisfaction in the arc of the character in the movie. Now, I don't. It doesn't mean I don't think uh, Sissy Spacek is like really great in the movie. I think she's like the best part of this movie. The walk she does, the her eyes. I mean, her performance is very layered and terrific. Yeah. And that sequence in the beginning where doesn't she get her period or it, like she's she has in, a like, bloody shower yeah, or they yeah. prank her or something. That's great. Like, it's yeah. it's and that's super surprising to see in a movie uh aimed at i feel like teenagers yeah. because that's like a no-no today anything yeah. regarding periods in cinema today is like kind of a no-no turning red yeah, well but that's metaphorical okay they have tampons okay, okay. yeah but yeah i other than that i feel like the tone of the movie has that silly like sort of 80s vibe to it and i just can't get into it not saying i don't think people can enjoy it or think it's a classic i just don't think a it's that scary or b that it's that good i just think the performance carries it i can't disagree i can't disagree uh whatever happened to the i disagree counter remember when you used to disagree with stuff brandon Brandon, maybe i've just become more you're you're not that uh disagreeable anymore 
I think that's a good that's a sign of character development. I think it is. Look, with this is like an you can see the development of us throughout the show, you know? Yeah. I like how you can see my development in the thumbnail because of my hair changes. Your hair changes. <laughs> and then Two you can years. see you can see how I got lazier editing the show. You got how you can see how lazy I've gotten by how I barely do anything now. <laughs> hey, but at least Instagram's come back, am I right? Hey, hey that's character development. <laughs> that is character development. That's a recent development. <laughs> you know, also it's character development. You don't show the 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 discs to the movies you're choosing anymore. Remember, you used to do that. Yeah, you used, used to, to bring out the, su- the the physical discs to, to every movie. That's you were negative about. character development. <laughs> Even though this is a audio only podcast at the moment. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to this last one, shall we? Uh, no. I've been talking about it a, a quite a bit during this episode. I'm picking Stand by Me. Uh, boo! I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it, and you're saying boo. Oh. I'm saying boo because there's a better movie out there that none of us picked because we probably all thought that somebody was going to pick it. Misery? Shawshank. Yeah. Shawshank? I don't, I, I think Shawshank's great. I thought you I would, Brandon. I thought, Bra- I thought you would too, Brandon. I thought you guys were going to pick it. No, I, I think that movie's good. I don't think that movie's amazing, but, uh. It's amazing. I think Stand By Me is amazing. Um. It's all right. It's good. And it's one of those films that, like, everything clicks together at the very end. Like for me, like it, I think it's a very heartwarming tale about some boys growing up. But Chris, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, the main character sort of makes this conclusion at the end, um, that sort of puts this whole journey that they go through into context and speaks to a a larger feeling that we have as people growing up, and something we don't think about before. All I'll say, Chris, is it's sort of like, it sort of goes along the same lines. It's not the exact same thing, but it's sort of like the the sentiment of this thing we always ask each other. Chris, do you remember your last water slide? Oh. oh. It's, it's like that, you know? Oh, that's sad. I know, right? And it had, like, and it was a movie that I was just like normally enjoying throughout the film. But then once it gets to the, the moment like that, at the very end, I'm just like, dog. Do we, do we need to explain to the audience what the that analogy is? The uh, when do you remember your last water slide? Why don't you explain it for the audience, Chris? Okay. So, um, do you remember your last water slide? Is a I don't know what a phrase, a question that Ethan and I like asking each other. And it's the reason for that is because it fills us with this kind of like existential realization of our of us aging because. As you get older, it's it feels more and more rare to go on a water slide. I don't know if any of you guys out there listening uh, go on water slides <laughs> that regularly into adulthood. There might be like a brand and like dude for like water slide enthusiasts. I don't know. Yeah, I bet it's water slide. It seems like a things that kids will only do, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like I mean, genuinely, I don't like. I remember loving water slides growing up. It was my favorite shit ever. Yeah, I would literally go. Go on a water slide, go down, we'll run right back up and do it again. Like is eight, the, nine times, ten times. Is and the silly equivalent to that? Do you remember when you were a kid? Yeah. It, it's it's, it's same, like that. It's a similar idea. Yeah. It's the same or idea. or another question is like, is do you remember the last time you played with toys? Or went to a playground? Because I did remember the last time I went to a playground. You went to a playground whoa, recently. Whoa, 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 you, whoa, got whoa. A, you got arrested for it. Um, <laughs> anyways... No, I but didn't do it, officer. It it's it's like 
the do you remember the last time i actually remember the last time i played with toys i was playing with toys with milo and i remember i was just like i don't get it i don't i don't get like the energy that we had i remember we were playing with toys the the day before and then we played with toys again we had we set up playmobil and we had mario toys and i'm like i'm just not feeling it you know and we i remember we were playing with toys cuz you you like you like to like put you like to make the characters speak, you know, when you're playing with toys with each other and make scenarios, right? Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, I remember thinking to myself as we were doing this, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, this this doesn't make any sense anymore. And I remember that was the last time we played with toys. And then after that, whenever Milo and I hung out, we'd either like go see a movie or go play video games. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And it, I feel like Stand By Me sort of gives you that similar feeling about uh, friendship and sort of like uh sort of the the fleetingness of certain things that happen in your childhood or certain f- connections you would make and how those things don't typically last forever you know um but yeah i love that this movie for that brandon what do you think i just think it's such a small fraction of the movie you know it's at the very end but i think it puts into perspective the whole film I, I, I'm not saying it doesn't do that. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make me reevaluate the whole movie when I watch it. I just don't get that. But I do get that nostalgic feeling. I think it's a very good coming-of-age movie about just boys on an adventure. You know that book when we were growing up? I don't know if you guys know it. Chris, especially, I don't know if you do, because I don't know if it was published overseas. Probably, but who knows? It was called The Dangerous Book for Boys. Yes, Do you guys know that book. It kind of <laughs> looked like, like it was. All, it looked like it was all fucked up and like yeah, beaten up. Looked, but it was like a leather bound like text, like it was some sort of like Bible, and yeah. it was like it was filled with all these like uh, activities that you could do outdoors and things you could make or things you could play with or like stuff that boys would do. There's one for girls, but I forget what it's called. And I remember reading it all the time as a kid. And it kind of is like that Boy Scout type vibe. And maybe setting this movie is just about that. It's like boys exploring the world and having a summer where they are like discovering a lot more things than just what they discover, you know? And it's a very surprisingly existentialist piece given uh, its subject matter. Right. Uh, and Kiefer Sutherland in this movie is also really good. As the Kiefer bully. Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. They prefer it, Vandal. though. That's how I knew that guy existed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just think, I think it is a better coming-of-age tale, personally, but that's just me. It Chapter 2. Yeah, because yeah, that deals more with trauma. And that, they don't really have that in this movie. <laughs> less. Uh, far less. Iblisse. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um. Okay. Is that it, guys? That's it. We... That is it. That's it. No Shawshank. All right, let's end the episode. Just kidding. We gotta do our final stack. We're an hour and eleven minutes. Out. Let's run this down quick. We only have to pick two yeah. films because we already double stacked. So Brandon, run down your picks. The Mist, Gerald's Game. Oh, fucker. <laughs> what was the what's the last one? Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Chris, what are yours? Mine were The Shining, The Green Mile, and Carrie. And mine were It, The Mist, 
and Stand By Me. All right. We know Mist. We know Mist. We know Mist. Um, what does that cover in your eyes in terms of Stephen King? Horror, the, like the most horror. For me, that's the big horror one. Because I remember earlier in the beginning of the episode, I talked about how like, coming of age horror and drama are the big ones. Yeah. I know there's, of course, intersectionality between them. But yeah. that's a big horror one. Um, For drama, drama I want to choose Gerald's together. Game. I agree. Gerald's game. Jerry's game. It's so good. You guys have to see it. I that sounds if if they had a physical release of this movie, I would buy it immediately. Yeah, yeah. Because like, that's just like such a tantalizing, just like like I don't know synopsis that you teased us. You know, um, is it really is it horror though? I don't know. It, it seems it has horror, but like like Chris said, there's ex- intersectionalities between. Uh, the work of horror and drama. I feel like this is a thriller drama more than it is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Certainly, that man's face or creature's face uh, is horrific, but it's not a major part of the movie. So, I think it's more having to do with the drama regarding the character's backstory, her marriage to this man, uh, and her trying to get out of it, which is like very thriller-esque versus horror there are moments of horror but it's it's not the driving force of the movie maybe consult uh letterbox or imdb on that one yeah mm-hmm. um i think it's either between that or the green mile i know you guys both like that film i i have no context for it but i know that one's a classic i feel like those are two maybe like dramas ish you know what do you think chris i don't know like i we have the mist already. Gerald's game. Is it Gerald's game? Ger- Jerry's game? Gerald's Gerald's game. Gerald's game. Uh, that one sounds really interesting to me, especially considering like Brands as a drama more so than a horror. Um, what if we did? What if we did um the mist? Gerald's game. And so that covers horror the more mostly horror and then mostly drama and then we need a coming of age so either stand by me it or carrie well i would pick one of mine but carrie's kind of a kind of carrie is kind of coming of age i i am leaning i think we have too much horror if we choose both gerald's game and the mist well you haven't seen gerald's game I don't know. It looks it's, it looks kind of scary to me. I don't know. But he is like a horror novelist. I don't know. He's like he's known for horror, so I guess that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Or we go straight horror and put The Shining on there because I mean I think The Shining's his best nope. work. Nope. Yeah, the best film. We could use that for so much more. Than that can be used for a billion different things though. Yeah. There's that's a plenty to that's say about true. that. True. Um, honestly, I'm willing to go carry on this one, even if I'm willing to go to either carry or stand by me. I can go carry too because uh, it's a it's a more unique coming of age, which he usually does. I feel like he does he often does a group That's of true. boys, yeah. and this one is a teenage girl growing up. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I like plus that. We're being progressive by t- picking two films with female. Oh yes, when yes. Slay. That was like slay. That was slay. Slay. slay family. Slay, family. Slay, family. Family. Fortress. <laughs> it's our fortress. <laughs> fortress. That was like us during the jackass 
actually. Not actually <laughs> movie screening. Movie. Women. Yeah. Um. Okay. I like that stack. I think our order should be carry first. Because I feel like it's a more classic Gerald's one. Game. Mm-hmm. Then Gerald's game. And the missed ending miss. is just like, it is one of the greatest. I don't want to watch any time. movies after that. You don't. You yeah, want to go you take can't watch a movie after that. You want to go take can a I shower after that and cry. Can I tell you a story about my first time seeing The Mist? Yes. Before we wrap this up. Yeah. The Mist, I remember uh there was a blockbuster that used to be uh near my house, like less than 5 miles away. And my parents used to take me there all the time as a kid and I remember we got Netflix so we stopped going to Blockbuster in like 2006 or something like that. And that blockbuster was forever in my memory. But when I got to the age where I could like actually go out of the house, rent or buy movies, the blockbuster was long gone. It had been like gone for like five years, you know. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016 or 2017, maybe 2018, um, they, no, not even, no, 2016 or 2015, they opened a, um, a new video store there called the house of used. And I remember going there, their opening night because my friends and I were like, let's just go, let's go somewhere. And we found this movie store open. And I remember walking the halls and they were like these, it had the smell of the blockbuster still and everything. And I remember my friend and he was like recommending me movies. He's like, you haven't seen mission impossible gross protocol. I'm like, yeah, I haven't even seen a single mission impossible movie. And we went over to his house and we watched the Mission Impossible movie that we bought at the store. But not only did we buy that, we bought The Mist. (laughs) And I remember we would do these movie marathons. And finally, we did a marathon of all these different movies. And The Mist was our capper. And I remember it was like two or three in the morning. Back, you know, when we could pull all-nighters as kids. Now it's a little more difficult. And... I remember sitting and like being in awe and terror of this movie at two and three in the morning when it's like pitch black outside. When the movie ended, it was like around 5 a.m., which was around sunrise. And I remember just walking outside and touching grass, man, being like oh. thankful for this earth, <laughs> looking oh. up at the I sky. know, right? I, I had the same feeling when I watched um, uh, The Road for the first time. I walked out. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh well, because I I saw it. It was I I saw it in the DMAC theater in the middle of summer, and it's oh, a pretty yeah. dark and desolate film. And I came out to that little DMAC plaza, and I just like I saw like the grass by the basketball court, the tennis field. I'm like, God damn, it's good. It's like it's good to be alive. You know, I know that I know <laughs> yeah. the exact feeling, Brandon. That's good. I have That's that. A- I get that. Fe- I got that feeling when I walked out of worst person in the world. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Look at that. Look at us. Love guys. when movies can do that. It is. Even it's a, a horror movie. Thing. Yeah. You know? Good. Showing you sometimes the worst and most desolate uh, things of humanity, the most intimate, can really make you appreciate the world that we live in. It's great. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's run down this final stack, shall we? Um, this is Stack's most quintessential Stephen King film adaptation. Final stack. Starting with Chris. You want to start us off here? What's our first pick? Yeah. Our first film is Brian De Palma's Carrie, a film about a young girl who develops supernatural powers um, after being pushed to the emotional edge by her frantically religious mother and a very toxic high school environment. 
a multi-layered film and a very intricate character portrait and a coming of age story for everyone to enjoy. Alrighty, Brandon, what's our number two? Our number two is Gerald's Game, a wonderfully isolated dramatic thriller about a marriage gone awry when a husband dies of heart attack while they're having sex. Uh, it's a crazy character nice. examination as well as a trippy uh, delving into the deliriousness of being trapped and isolated alone. And our last film is Stephen King's The Mist, a film about when coming to terms with the undescribable, the end what you think is the apocalypse and how that brings out the best in humanity and the human spirit and the worst by devotion, blame, um, sacrifice and finding a way to save yourself in the darkest situations. It is a film about cosmic horror and just the, mind-bending how hor- the horror rep- this horror represents the mind-bending difficult situations you have to choose in, in times like these and it is one of the greatest endings in film history I'm, I'm putting a fucking pin on that right here now live on the stacked podcast that's right i did that we're doing it live i did it and that's our stack everybody ladies and gentlemen of all genders here yeah we are. this is it Thank you so much for joining us on this really fun episode of Stacked. I had a great I time. I will say. About... Yeah. You, picking Carrie was an inspired choice considering it was the first Stephen King story to be adapted to cinema. And look at that. That is the first, or the first pick on our stack. So look at that. The way to go, Chris. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Tell us what your favorite Stephen King act- adaptations are in the comments. Email it to us. Put it, Tell us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Come on, let's start a conversation. Why let's do it. Come on. Tell us why it's Firestarter from 2022. Yeah, let us know how that movie is if you go see it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to see it. We'll see it. We'll try to see it together, but I don't I don't think I'm going to see it unless it's together. So, uh and that'll do it for this episode of uh What's this episode called? What is this episode? What is the show called? Uh Stacked Stephen King adaptation. What are you looking for? No, nah, I'm good. Let's just end it.